Good day, everyone. How we doing, everyone? It's been a <laughs> been a hot minute and a half, right? It has. I think it's actually a lot less days than we're actually imagining because I've only been gone ten days. Yeah, I think. Well, a lot of it is to. Oh, I guess I have to say my sign in. Yes. Coming to you perched high above the thirsty owl, which usually is an area of refuge for me, has turned into a minefield of um, headaches and uh, worry over the last maybe week or so. I mean, it, and it doesn't correspond with track, doesn't correspond with how busy it is. Just lots going on. Like, you know, a lot of thunderstorms rolling through and the power goes off, the point of sales is off. Like, there's just so many headaches associated with it. And then you always kind of have that, well, is it better to be your own boss and make your own hours and um, not have to answer to anyone? Or is it better to, you know, work for someone else and just, you know, you can go home and leave it at the office or whatever. A nine to fiver. And I, and I still come back to it. it, it it's more <laughs> beneficial to have your own place, but sometimes it's a close race. I can and see that. I'm struggling a little bit at the mm. moment. I did go away for a few days. Mm-hmm. A lot of Francisco stuff, a lot of sporting events out of town. Um, you know, and I came back to, you know, the point of sales, which is like, you know, you ring your credit cards and you put orders into the kitchen. That's the point of sales. And that thing was on, uh, on you know, what's on, what do you say? The Fritz? Is that on it? the Fritz? Yes. The fritz? Which, don't ask me the genesis weird, yeah. of that saying, but we'll that. look it up. And then, you know, Lindsay's like trying to not make it a deal where I'm gone and I'm hanging out with my parents. And, and so she didn't mention it. And then the night that I'm coming home, she's like, oh, just so you know, this happened, this <gasps> happened, and this happened. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. <sighs> and uh, so you come home and you're putting out fires. Like, I've, I've gone away for a week or eight days with Francisco to Puerto Rico or wherever yeah, we've gone. Yeah, you've gone, gone on vacations before, yeah. And come back and have had one-third the issues. And this time I came back and it was just like the weight of the world was on my chest. <laughs> oh. And it'd been a while since we've gotten to hang out. It'd yes. been a while since we've done yes. a pod. And I just was craving normalcy today. And, you know, there are people that I want to see and there are people that I want to talk to my dad about. I want to oh. talk to uh, about Francisco and his endeavors over the weekend. And... I've put that off just to do a, you know, medium to, you know, shorter pod with you because this gets my mind back right more than Mm. sending off invoices or calling this salesperson or checking on the point of sale system, which (laughs) should be first. Um, Like I just, I wanted to do this. So good. And I don't know that it's really about the podcasting. It's more about being around you, Joe. Oh, and um, so Feeling, feeling normal and getting kind of recentered without being too kumbaya. Yeah. Does kind of flow through you a little bit. Oh. Well, I appreciate it's that. Meant to be a compliment if you appreciate me and <laughs> give a shit about my feeling normal. So, um Well, this is how much yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. As you, you know, I've You hit you're going out of town again. I was overseas, yeah. which is always harder cuz you got jet lag. Paris. Gay Paris. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even tell you I was going. Yeah, I did, I did not know that. Yeah. When you were there, I didn't know if the Eiffel Tower was photoshopped, <laughs> if that was real. I'm not good with tech. <laughs> I so sent a video. you could have. Okay, very good. So, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, Love I, that you get away. You know, it's funny. I went to Paris 
uh, once with my brother Wes, mm. and uh, everyone seemed really grumpy there. They didn't they didn't <laughs> like that Jita couldn't speak French. Oh yeah, and um, I just kind of thought to myself, boy, this might be a one and doneer for me. Yeah. But then again, I've not gone to Paris with people that can speak French. Can help me out a little bit there. Yeah. Um, this was before there were apps that you could speak in your phone yes. or translate. Yeah. Um, which my guess is they would think that's too much of a shortcut and still also not cool if I had to guess <laughs> Parisian people. Um, but if I went with someone that I, I think really appreciated that city or that country, I think I would have a much better time. Yeah. You know, Paris. it's a lot like Washington, D.C. I always tell yeah. you that. It's my second favorite city in the world, so yeah. my first to being Washington. To Washington. So you just really like politics. So um, Washington's not a pretty town by any stretch. I, you know, it's a walkable. It's a walkable town. Yeah. It's beautiful buildings. Yeah. There's history there. There's power. There's power in the sense that it what we do in Washington affects the rest of the world and our daily lives. Sure. Like it or not, like that's where laws are made, and you know, I love the law, so maybe Broken. that's where it comes from. Yeah. So, and then Paris is obviously just, I've always dreamed of going to Paris and I finally did many, many years ago on my own dime and, yeah. you know, was able to have fun As opposed Paris. to winning a vacation on the <laughs> Price is Right. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, just a... Oh, you, went, you flew solo? You went solo that uh, time? I met people there. Yeah, very but good. I had solo time solo. as well. Right. So, um, yeah, and I was overseas and then I, as soon as I landed, I needed to go off to Boston. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you shared with us that there's some family stuff going on on the health side mm -hmm. obviously i've been going through that too mm -hmm. and then 24 hours later i realized i had to go to new york so i had to stop at the owl mm. before i did any of that yeah quick again. bite to eat and i always need pond. my thirsty owl food i yeah. gotta tell you and i've said that yeah. to you for yeah. a lot a long Love time it. And, you know, doing the pod is always, there's always some kind of self-discovery and self-healing, yeah. if that's to kind of go back to what you're saying. Yeah. So, yes, I feel settled on this chair, yeah. Yeah. microphone in front of us. Yeah. So, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really awesome if one of us had a topic. I believe that you may have. I always have a topic. Very good. Okay. Yeah. So, the topic for now is you got a very nice text message from a listener. Mm -hmm. And it said, uh, I'm paraphrasing and we won't reveal the identity. I don't know the identity. Mm -hmm. And basically, they said that, you know, they appreciated what we've been saying on some of these podcasts. Sure. And that they listen and they don't. Am I paraphrasing when they said it sometimes makes them feel not alone because we touch on right. topics? And I guess we're compassionate and empathetic about some of these topics and it draws people in to sure. what we're saying. Yeah, I think it was um, in reference, I don't want to get too specific, but yeah. it was in reference to um, ethical non-monogamy and feeling that when we talked about it, and you talk about it on a podcast that tries very hard to do a passable job, that it offers a sense of uh, normalcy and that um, there are other people that are choosing mm -hmm. to do relationships um, that, are very, that are very intentional and are built um, with intent and by design to be maybe a little bit out of the traditional realm. And it's okay to... Um, experience that and it's okay to venture forth mm -hmm. um, and I think it's been very enlightening for this particular person and that's nice makes me feel happy 
Yeah, it's very cool because I, you and I strive to discuss some of the toughest topics out there related to relationships in general. And I like the fact that I guess we don't come off as judgy because otherwise we wouldn't have that kind of reaction. Yeah. I mean, you've been in those relationships. I've not been in those relationships as defined necessarily. Have I been in ENMs sort of, but never defined? I think we've also said that all of us have been in one yes. way or another. Every human on this planet almost has probably been in a non-monogamous situation or a polyamorous situation. They just didn't define it as such. Right. They were seeing someone who was with someone else on the sly or that was being done unto you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't call it ethical non-monogamy, but it was very clear that there were other people involved and they chose to continue to be a part of that. So they've been involved in non-monogamy. Right. So I wanted to say also, so this this episode is dedicated to that person who was very open and vulnerable in yeah. stating how she felt listening to our yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, so I want to transition then to the part that I wanted to discuss today, which is you were just going over some of the stressors in your life mm. um, and it's encapsulating work, family, relations, children, yeah. parents of other children. I'm sorry, parents of our children. And I also have been um, riddled, mm-hmm. riddled by issues, friends, family, children, the whole yeah. gambit work. I mean, I got a humongous project right before I was flying off. So I had to, be under stress overseas and working uh, with a time difference. So um, the question I have for you, and you kind of answered it this morning, what do you do when you're in that situation? Because for the first time, I have to say, when I was sitting and eating my burger, I think I needed a little bit of iron because I'm exhausted. You were like taking care of customers. You were taking phone calls from three different phones and your child calls. That's exactly what I was doing. And And I, for the first time in my life, I thought, Holy crap, he is really stressed out. Yeah. At one point when you're walking towards a door with a phone in your ear, and I figured it was Seiko, because yeah. nobody really affects and you I more than Seiko. I was, also had a call going on the business phone. Correct. It was yeah. ringing, and people were waiting for their wine tasting. Yeah. You actually grabbed your hair, and you pulled it a little bit, and I thought, oh, my God, I don't even know if he knows that he's so ra- wrapped up so And I tight. need a haircut really badly. <laughs> And I'm going to get to that because I think you're going to ask a question I think you're going to ask. So what is your question for me, knowing that there's a lot of shit flying everywhere? Right. What is your actual question? How do you deal with that minute and that day and that hour as far as regulating your emotions and dealing with stress? Because arguably all of us at one point in our lives are affected by things that are just are not out, not under our control. Right. And that's the hard part. Right. Like I have a situation in my life going on right now that I have zero control over other than kind of, you know, give hugs and supportive yeah. words. But yeah. so what do you do? Well, I, I mean, in this case where I have a bunch of work stuff to deal with, I'm struggling with Francisco's mom at the moment and um, without with being very objective on that. We just have some different ideas on how Seiko's schedule should go. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we both feel like, you know, our you know vision on what's best f- for him 
is probably a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is just very, the difference is she believes that she knows what's better for him than he does, which I believe might be true. Um, but I'm very in touch with him. We have millions of conversations about how he feels and how he's doing and what's interesting him and what's causing him stress or what isn't and what's just pure joy and what's stressful. So I am always a fan of, especially if a kid's a little more advanced emotionally, especially at his age, he's, you know, 12 and two thirds, um, to give him some autonomy to make his own decisions. Now that's where we're running into trouble. And again, I'm not saying that I'm right or that she's wrong or she's right and I'm wrong. I just, we're at a huge impasse with that. And it affects so much. It's not, oh, he wants to get a remote control car. And I'm saying no. Like, it's not that. It's yeah. his schedule, which would, which also influences my work tremendously. So she wants to play in a golf. Let's say, just for example, she wants to play in a golf tournament that's local. And I want him to play in one that's down in the Hudson Valley. Because I can caddy for him and we can talk about the round and, and try to help him get better. And she just wants to throw him into the, you know, into the fire, which is also another way to raise yeah, your kid. Yeah, it's a different approach. Um, and we're battling on that. So we ended up just settling on when it's my day, my word goes. When it's your day, you do what you want to do. So it's now moving away from co-parenting and just working on the letter of the law which i don't love but it seems to be where it an impasse so that's where it's going to go and that came to a head probably about a week ago and maybe five days ago and i that was a, that was a meltdown moment for me because when francisco's involved i really struggle of course and i ran into some tough news with the relative uh, health wise and that put me into a bit of a spiral for someone who doesn't get to that yeah. spot very often i was in a tough spot and, um, you know, so things are better with that health situation and, you know, Seiko's, you know, doing great with the sports and it's kind of working itself out, not without conflict with his mother and I, yeah. but it's working itself out just by going by, it's like martial law. When you just go by, I'm doing what I'm doing when I have custody of him and you do what you do when you have custody with him, I call that parental martial law. And mm. I don't love that. And it's not often that we get to that spot because there have been times in this podcast where we've been getting along well. This would not not probably be one of those times, unfortunately. And I know that no one probably gives a rant's ass how I'm getting along with Francisco's <laughs> mother. But, you know, you ask the questions and that's uh, no. that's where the number one stress came from. Um, and then, you know, once my family member was back doing well and um back upright then that alleviated that situation and i was only gone for a couple of days and i came back and the owl was in a little bit of disarray and um there was just a lot a lot to do so i think the question is kind of like well where do you prioritize like where do you you know and i just had gotten home and i had seco for two days and you know we went out to the finger lakes and out to rochester and he had a game in utica last night and so the way i handled today was just like what's the most important thing so i had i got a couple of things done at the owl that just had to get done like you couldn't open today without and then i went right back to the golf course to watch francisco tee off in yet another golf tournament that my day saw fit to put him in after he'd just been gone for two and a half days and playing golf nonstop. yeah and getting home late last yeah. night and um but i couldn't I've never not been to at least some portion of a game or a sporting event or any activity that he wants to participate in. So I went to go see him before he teed off and, you know, had a giggle and a hug for him. 
and watched him hit his first tee shot. Uh, and then, of course, he called me right when he was done. I was in the middle of one yeah. shift, which is when you came. He called <laughs> to tell me how he did. Um, and so that was really important. Did I have time to drive 21 minutes to Van Patten golf Ooh, course to yeah. watch him tee off and spend 10 minutes on the before he teed off? I did not have that time. I did 100% did not have that yeah. time. But there are th- things that I'm not willing to miss. That's one of them. So I drove and did that. And I came back and I ha- I got all the stuff done that I needed to do to open. Then everything else just started to kind of tick, 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 yeah. fall into place a little bit. But, you know, then there was having to withdraw him from tournaments and I had to withdraw him from the state, you know, the junior state amateur, which was up in Lake Placid next week because he's likely going to make it into the, um, the team's going to make it to the state tournament, which is in Staten Island for baseball, for baseball. And so that's during the same week as the golf States, which is horribly timed. Um, and so we're going to probably miss the, you know, state golf tournament, which is tough, but it's all right. And that's the thing is like, he literally has something every day and I can't explain that enough to people that, you know, probably want, I don't know why they would, but want to have some of my time. And I just can't, it's really hard to explain when you have, take the business out of it. Cause we all work. I mean, we all work unless we're independently wealthy and there's, I don't know a whole lot of those people. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do work a good bit, but I can't be away from it too long, especially in the busiest time of the year. Oh my God. You yeah. add on to that, like between, a baseball game and a tournament. He has one of those probably six of the seven days of week. And there's never a day where he doesn't have at least have a practice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I don't, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. And it's frustrating because there are people that I want to spend time with, but I just can't. And the thing is, is when, you know, you get involved with someone, whether it be romantically or as a friend or an acquaintance even, or, someone that you know through work you know they say they understand mm. but I don't think they do sometimes and they do get frustrated and they get disappointed and their feelings get hurt and I'm like I can't help this yeah. nor would I want to you know yes I would probably rather hang out with this person than work yes I get that right. but I hate to say there is no one else I'd rather show up for than my son and I don't feel like that's something that I should have to apologize for. No. But, you know, if the question is, like, how do you handle it? I go right through it. I don't put it off. Mm. I don't. Like, what is the most, what can't you function doing? Like, of course, you can. I can function without have done any checkout, but yeah. I really couldn't open the business. But, you know, you just, you, you set it a priority list in your head, or if it, some people are better writing it down. My dad's better writing it down. I saw him this weekend, and I saw... He has this little sticky pad, and he has like four or five things on there every day. They're mm. pretty small ticket items. He's re- he's retired and yeah. has been for twenty years. <laughs> but you know, I look at the things that he has. Like it says, like bird feeder, um, you know, irrigation system. Uh, I'm like, man, I wish the sprinklers or putting food in the bird feeder was, was on my list. I wish that was, <laughs> that was the only things on your and list. And I'm, I'm not solving the world's problems. I'm not solving peace in the Middle East. I'm not, right. you know, sub-Saharan Africa hunger. Like, I'm, those aren't on my list. Right. But there are things that 15 or 18 people that are employed here are yeah. needing me to fix. Rely on you. Um, you Their know. livelihood is on you. Not right. to put any more stress. It is. And that's the thing, <laughs> is everyone wants to, you can, like, discount that. It's like, oh, this doesn't work. Well, Okay, 
I'll fix it when I can fix it. Yeah. You know, it's just tough. Just tough. Well, for, uh, for example, we had a small chat this morning, which is, we haven't really, we haven't spoken on the phone, I don't think, for 14 days, I think. Yeah. And um, you, you told me that you were to relieve some of the stress physically was you went to the gym and you were there for hours. Yeah. That was the night where <laughs> everything hit the fan with my Tansico. Oh, yeah. We had this huge back and forth and whether he was going to play in this tournament and have me caddy or play locally and yeah and just you know whatever and you know and then Seiko unexpectedly chose to do the local thing that Maite wanted to do and it just I I was in a world of hurt I was in a spot where I couldn't believe that that was the decision he made mm. And then I'm stuck in this world of, well, Josh, you know, on the podcast and in your life, you try to be this guy who just shows him, you know, the care and, and gives him the space to have autonomy and make his decisions. And if he makes a decision that you don't like or that doesn't benefit your relationship with him, you better show the fuck up and let him do exactly what he wants to do. So I was just thrown into a state of chaos that Oof. night. And then... Also, the the tough news. Um, yeah, the health situation came at almost exactly the same time, and then I, unlike everyone else who seems to like to want a cocktail or do something that might be a little less constructive, I just go to the gym. And that night, I went to the gym probably shortly after seven. I didn't leave until it was essentially closed, and that's always the place where I kind of find my footing. And um, you know, Seiko knew I was upset and he FaceTimed me like the sweetheart he is. And he goes, shocker, you're at the gym. Oh, he knows you, you know, so he well. Knows, you know, and, um, and that was pretty neat. But yeah, um, that made you that made you feel a little bit. Better. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. So my point in my point in delving into this is we everybody, everybody for whatever reason or uh, situation deals with stress and search situations in their lives that mm. is not always under their control which is what makes it hard right because sure. we can't control it um and we also deal with that stress in different ways um it was interesting to me that one you never whined about it we were communicating while i was overseas and you're always like great Wonderful. Like, you're not a whiner. No, I, you can't be. You can't And you're be. not a complainer. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. The, the, the best advice I think I've ever gotten in my life was from this guy who played on the PGA Tour. And it's not a golf thing. It comes across as a golf thing, but it's not. Yeah. Ready for it? So his name was George Burns. Not the famous super old comedian who's since yeah. passed. But it was that died. He was like 100 years old. And he always had the cigars. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't him. It was this guy, George Burns. He's from Long Island. And he played on tour. Maybe one once or twice. And... You know, and the later part of his career is kind of on again, off again on the tour. And he just, I played on a hole with him. We were playing a money match and I, I screwed up on this hole and I made a six on a par five, which is bad. Like you want to make it four or three or four or five on a par five. Yeah. And I make a six and yeah, I missed the putt and I was like grumpy and like not literally, but figuratively kicking the dog and kicking rocks. And I was grumpy on the way to the next tee and he goes, he goes, Hey cup. He goes, they make 18 of them for a reason. Oh. So, you know, figure it out. And by the way, when you make a six and you're playing in a professional golf tournament, because I was just turning pro, I was just out of college. Right. He goes, when you make a six, you're the only one who wishes you made a four. Everyone else wishes you made an eight. 
<laughs> so stop the pity party. You yeah. Know, zip it and figure it the fuck out. And I loved it. I didn't like it at the time. No. Yeah. But that's just the way it is, you know. And I have great people in my life. I have people in my life that are in my life in all sorts of capacities. And they all, when I have a tough time, are very happy to want to help out. But they can't. Like, I can't have this person come and fix my point of sale system. I can't. No one can go and talk to Maite for me and say, hey, just here's your perspective. And Josh does get that. But how about this perspective? Like, yeah. No one's going to do that. No one's going to fix the point of sales. No one's going to make my family member feel better. Yeah. I'm not going to improve their health. So my concept's always been to talk about it is like the age old idea of, you know, see a therapist or talk to your friends about what's troubling you. And, but in, unavoidably there's situations that they just can't help with. So then you're in a situation where you're just regurgitating all this bad news. Right. And I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with that. There are very few people that I feel like even sharing that with. And it doesn't mean tip of the cap to the one or two people that I do share what's going wrong because it, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes to who I divulge that information to. I right. just, and not that they care, nothing that I'm going through is really particularly interesting probably to anyone else other than myself or maybe my kid, right? But to talk about it too much, I've always said, just feels like I'm regurgitating bad news and unless someone can help with it. Like if Sally is really good at point of sales systems, I'm like, Sally, you know, my point of sales system shit the bed and oh, that's right, you, you do that for a living. Can you help me out with that? Yeah. Unless they can really help with it, man, I'm just talking about it more yeah. without solutions. Yeah. So it's just tough. Yeah. And that's a tough one. And that goes to the answer is that instead of not wasting time, I would never say talking about your woes is a waste of time, but to talk about that is replacing the time where I need that amount of time to get things back. To solve problems. On the plane. Yeah. You know? So... So I guess there's that. <laughs> I the, One of the best things I ever learned um, growing up in the professional world, my, my old boss, he was a speechwriter, so he was brilliant in all these little missives. Yeah. And he said, look, never complain, never explain. And I tend to be that way too because... All right, so take me through that. Yeah. So when you... when Never complain, I got that because yeah. I just gave that adage about George Burns. Right. Never complain, never, never explain. Explain, okay. So the never explain part. I think part, I'm going to really like this. This is like I feel like this is a nugget on the way for me. Yeah. The, the never explain part, uh, let me give you an example. If you made a decision to say, um, you made an employment decision, mm. uh, whether you shifted somebody's shift from 12 to 3 or 9 to 12, you tell your employee, I'm switching you uh, because X period. Yeah. Uh, you, just, you felt like it. It could be as easy yeah. as that. Um, and you stop there. You don't continue to explain to the person yeah. who is not either in authority or have the power to, do, to change the situation um, to continue to satiate their curiosity or you just don't explain. Yeah. You know, so I like that. So it gives you kind of the license to for people to know that when you speak, yeah, that's all you're gonna say. Yeah. They're not gonna get any more out of you. Yeah. They're not going to ask for more explanation because they might start to think they can change your opinion. Right. Or your decision when in fact you as a person, you already made 
an assessment mm. deeply before you made that decision. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like I don't explain if I, especially to my children, if I made a decision, um, don't question it because I've already thought about the six different scenarios. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm talking about big decisions versus sure. which candy somebody would choose. Sure. So not Twizzlers. Yeah. It's all, <laughs> it's also, it was one of Queen Elizabeth's best traits. If she did something, she doesn't explain. If she threw Prince Harry out of Frogmore Cottage. I don't even know what that means. Like, is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, he, she didn't, but, you know, as an example. Frogmore Cottage? Yeah. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> I was just in Windsor, so mm. I got to have these things fresh in my mind. You just don't, exp- like, you know, the press start. This is another way to look at it. When people start asking you questions and you don't quite trust them, then you have to wonder why they're asking you those questions. Sure. So you always give yourself the license to never explain to people whatever, what it is you're doing, where you are, where you want to be, and you just shut the door down. Yeah. And because their intentions may not even be pure. Yeah. Oh, yes, correct. And I gave you a scenario not too long ago where I was being questioned about something. Yeah. And I just decided I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. And it shuts down the conversation. Feelings don't get hurt as much. And by the way, I'm an adult and I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, because you know how many times you make a decision that you know is best for you or your organization, your business, your life. And people complain and they reduce you to this driveling person of trying to explain every last little thing and you don't owe that to them. That's really the point. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Nugget. (laughs) But that has a lot to do with relationships and... You know, and a lot of times, and I, I think this will strike a tone, is like when people are trying to terminate a relationship, they feel like they 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 owe someone like this huge, super long explanation. You've said this before, so yes, it's along those lines. Yeah, and you know, it is a basic human right to exit a romantic or personal relationship. You don't need to have a reason. Or you just say, like you always said, you say, we're not a match. Yeah. It's simple, but it's also very hard because you want to explain something you may not want to. But sometimes I don't want. I, don't I know want you to. don't. <laughs> You're a nice guy. You know, in your situation as an employer, the the never explain thing can also work. Which I think in general, you, that's what you do anyway. You know, when you make decisions, you don't satiate other you know fourteen people's curiosity or bossiness yeah. or yeah, opinions. Yeah, and, and it's funny because. Um, that happens at work here a lot where, you know, great example would be like, we just do tastings at the bar, yeah. especially this time of year. Like I'm yeah. like going out onto the porch and bringing five different bottles of wine or, you know, and pouring a little out. Like I'm not doing it. And then people are like, oh, you don't do tastings outside? I'm like, yeah, I don't. Mm, and yeah. that's how we do it. Yeah. You know, I don't. Is Go it, to someone else's business and, and complain about their policy. Like, I've literally never done that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, your favorite uh, bloggist, psychotherapist, whatever, Matthew Hussey, who yes. I'm a big fan of, that you're, you're no, getting I've there. No, I've never you're had much there. wrong with anything he said. Some of his guests I, I've struggled with before. Yeah. His audience truly are women anyway, So, and we've established that you're hetero. Um, he always says, look, um, the people, people are, actually it was Esther Perel who said it. Oh. People are experts 
in the in the in what's what's going on in other people's lives but not their own like it's easy to give advice but they don't necessarily you know apply that same situation to themselves so bottom line know who you are what you want and you don't have to explain anything to anyone yeah of course you you don't want to go around hurting people and being a jackass to people but at the end of the day, like you just it's, said, it's your right to do what you need to do in your life. Sure. It's a tr- it's a tricky one, though. Because mm. I don't think that's a blanket thing. That, I don't think it's a blanket, um, hard, fast rule. Like if I made a decision with Seiko, and you, know, you don't have to really explain much when he likes a decision. It's very rare that I have to make a decision that he's not a fan of. Yeah. But if I do, I do explain it to him. But you know what's funny? I don't explain it. This is really interesting. I think it's interesting. Go ahead. A lot of our conversations I have with him are predicated upon him potentially being a dad. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just letting you know, you know, I'm going in this direction with this thing. And I know that right now in the moment, age 12, you don't appreciate this decision. And this, I mean, this is really, really this rare. Is, this is critical. But I'll say, I know you don't see it right now, but I think this is for your greater good. Mm. And he's so well adjusted that he he knows when, you know, like if he wants ice cream a second time in a day, that's probably a bad call. <laughs> if he wants to have like this super cool tech gadget that's probably going to be obsolete in six months, he knows that that's, he doesn't even ask for it. Yeah. I mean, the kid hasn't asked for a toy since he was four. He really hasn't. Except ta- for the about- Xbox that you and he played on. Yeah, but then we couldn't <laughs> find one. We couldn't find like another Xbox 360. And you haven't replaced it. And he doesn't give a rat's ass that right, we haven't right, replaced right. it. So he doesn't ask for unreasonable things. So that's where it starts. But yeah. if there is a situation, it's like, this is a great example of, I know this isn't what you want, but I'm pretty sure this is the right decision to make. And this is going to come up when you're a dad. Yeah. And I tell him, I said, I can't wait until your dad because I want to see how well you do it because I think you're going to do it really well oh I think so the kid has such good judgment yeah yeah although it doesn't mean we're always going to like our children's decisions but we have to trust yeah and this is the only the only place in my life that I can trump you is I now have adult kids like today Roddy my son turned 21 Mm -hmm. so now I can legitimately say they're adult children yeah so I will so you say that at 21 I would say it at 18 I think Instead of 21 because they can have a drink. Exactly. Legal, you know, age and, you know. So um, I I just, that's the only place I trump you. And I will tell you that um, I I had to let go and I had to trust the fact that I did raise them well. Yeah. And one day, Seiko will come back at you and say, Dad, you know what? Remember when you told me to do this when I'm in the situation? By the way, that's what I did today when I was in that situation. And nothing is more amazing. And my kids are now at that age where they're actually circling back to me and reporting to me that I taught them well. Before that, it it was very hard. Teenage years are hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just circling back to the person who um, reached out to you and thanked us for some of the topics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just want to also say that you're not alone. Uh, obviously, it touched her because it's an experience that you shared. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good message for anyone is they're not alone in this fight. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I mean, the whole tough. thing is all we try, we're all trying to do on this podcast really is just talk about our experiences yeah. and then, you know, come up with some fun examples of things that happen in life and happen to other people. Sometimes we tease other podcast people. Sometimes, you know, um, we're just talking about our experiences and talking about how we've done it right, we've done it wrong, and how we're trying to do it better. Well, what's it? Life. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> and we and this week yeah. in the last 14 days you and i have faced family relationship friends yeah. children parents of our kids work, work. Ah. so okay last fun question sure. top three ridiculous things you do when you're under stress and let me give you an example maybe you you grab a, a hat, fistful of twizzlers like what are some of your stress relievers that are on the funny side mm, well i work out i mean that's <laughs> the number one thing which is fine like it i don't think it's cool that i do that that's just my go-to and it always has been because I think when you feel like you've lost control, you reach out for the thing that you know you can control. Right. I know that I like to work out. I know that I'm good at it. And, and when I may say good at it, it's like I know what things are that I need to work on. And I can control going there and picking up heavy things and putting them back down or getting on the elliptical. Like I can control that. So that's where it comes yeah, from for me. And I think that's not an uncommon sentiment to say that. Um, Let me give you my three, which might... I don't super stress eat, but I do like Twizzlers. You're just hungry saying that. <laughs> well, let me give you my top three yeah. so yeah, that yeah, yeah, might, yeah. it might, it might, might jog, jog my your memory. memory. Yeah. So for me, number one, I clean. Like oh, I clean yeah. the bathroom with a toothbrush. I mean, yeah. it, every inch of that bathroom is going to be... But sometimes clean. when I'm so stressed, I don't have the time to do that because that does require time. True. If you're going to do it well. And True. how I clean takes some time. <laughs> the second thing I do is... I have to I, admit a lot in the last two weeks, by the way. Really? Yeah. It's because a, not all the things that have stressed me were time sensitive. Today, they were. Um, the second thing I've been doing a lot in the last several weeks going through the th stuff I'm going through is I've been gardening a lot because it's outside, you're yeah. pulling out weeds, and then you look at your accomplishment and it's kind of like, oh, Something you can nice. check off the list. I did that. It looks nice. There's a visual reflection of you tick something off the box, and off I, the list. You know what I mean? And I think for me, it's because I felt useful since I can't control certain things. I don't have... Control. You're looking for control. Just like that. I'm trying to fix things. I'm a fixer. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. can't fix the things that are happening in my life right now. Yeah, a little accomplishment, a little something. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to fix the garden. Yeah. Right? And that is the thing. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I've got this big day ahead and, and I don't know what to do first. A lot of people are like, oh, make the bed. Do a nice job making the bed. It's simple. It's functional. It looks nice. And you can start the day. You're two minutes. You're, 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 you've been conscious for two minutes because you've been yeah. sleeping and you've already knocked that out. So yeah. I have heard a lot of people say, and there's like the Tony Robbins. Thing it is, it is. Not this. only that, a military thing, a famous yeah. oh, like, oh, general. I, I, I did this. I got that knocked out. Well, great job. You made the bed. I've made the bed every morning of my <laughs> life, I think. So, um, yeah. I, I do stress eat. Do you know what I've been purchasing from freaking gas stations all over the country? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, too hard uh, to eat in the car. Oh, because I've been I've been traveling a lot. Slim Jims. <laughs> I haven't a Slim Jim. I haven't had a real Slim Jim, like the real, the one yeah, that says like Slim Jim. Slim Jims, not For not like really nice beef jerky. No, Slim Jim. Slim Jims, like, like the crappiest of the crappiest. You're the one salt and pepper foam. straight cis woman. <laughs> Who has ever 
become addicted to Slim Jims. <laughs> now, uh, listeners, if, if someone wants to disagree with that, I'd love to be wrong. But I think you're the f- first cis female that has ever been addicted to Slim right. Jims. <laughs> so it's like I, a truck driver guy thing. So I, I, I drive to Boston sure. to deal with my situation on a health situation. And I'm like gnawing on this thing. I bought like four of them. <sighs> They're like 300 calories a stick. And they're basically That doesn't like, surprise me. And I don't think that's even that, that much because they're long. What is it, like two feet like long? Like two feet long. <laughs> Do you know that for a fact they're two feet long? How long? I that? would say a good 18 inches. 18 inches. Oh. So, but then I, up, to compete with. I upgraded. There is. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I'd like to see an 18 incher. Ooh, I don't know um, if anyone wants to get into impaling. That's right. So I upgraded. There's another brand now that came up with a very, a much better quality, whatever that means, Slim Jim. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I do stress eat. And I chew a lot of gum. Like I literally just chew gum. Chew gum. Yeah. So that's, that, those are my stress relievers. Yeah. I used to, I never understood like people go, oh, I need a drink. I never used to be that way. But in the last three years where I've been a little bit more, yeah. less conservative, I'd be like, yeah, I'll have a glass of wine. But sure. I don't go to the drink. It's never been my go-to. Yeah. Because I lose less control. I know. Drink. So to me, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Like, I don't need to go, oh, I don't know why I don't drink. Yeah. I don't drink a lot because not a whole lot of alcohol tastes good to me. Yeah. And a lot of people drink when they're celebrating or when they're really upset. Yeah. Or stressed or and when I'm stressed I want I'm, I crave control, not a lack of it. Right. And I can't think of anything that puts you less in control than drinking and becoming intoxicated. Yeah. Or high or whatever, you know, your vices. So I would never understand I never never understand that. Yeah. You know, unless it's just a habit in the re- and the repetition and performing that habit brings you normalcy and control. Yes, good point. See, I think that's good point. See how, so for you, it's podcasts, podcasts, <laughs> and lifting heavy things. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I, I sit you, there. You know what I do? I think about the people in my life. Like I, I have, you know. A very nice, but a very complex relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And he's had a very successful professional career. And I think for the most part, I mean, his personal life has been, you know, um, you, you know, fairly strong and, and challenging at times. But I think for the most part, he's a well-liked person. And I think that, you know, when I'm and then my younger brother is like a borderline hero of mine. I really care for Wes a lot, which, you know. Yeah, of course. Um and I do look at what would Teddy do or what would a Wes do? And I love Johnny too. I just, we don't connect on a whole lot of stuff, but I do, I love Johnny dearly. And I just sit there and I'm like, well, what would Wes do in this situation? Mm. And sometimes I just try to work it out that way or sometimes I just call him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't, I just crave getting control back because it's, you've known me a while now. You've known each other over a year and, um, I'm in a blissful, got life under control. You know, I'm in that kind of mood 85% of the time. Then there's a 10% of the time where I'm maybe a little off. Then there's that very random, <laughs> a very small portion of the time where I'm like this. And it's it's so abnormal yeah. for me to be in that it spot is. that I, don't, I just kind of get a little, not lost, because that's my whole thing is I want to be found. I want to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. 
Yeah. So going through it, maybe eating a bowl of cereal, yeah. vegging out just a little bit. Yeah. Then you know, and again, if it's a stress thing that's not time, you know, a lot yeah. of stress things are time related. Yeah. But you know, if there's a thing that's not time related, then yeah, bowl of cereal in front of Sports Center, talk about me with a good time. <laughs> you know, solves everything. It does. It does. <laughs> so I, I challenge listeners to tell us what the funny things they do when they're stressed out. Yeah. Right? You know what? We didn't, we hardly talked. I don't even know if we even what? talked about sex today. <laughs> this is the first podcast we haven't talked about sex. <laughs> I did refer to the 18 incher. Oh, yeah. Does that, that count? Me. I, I think I kind of pushed that on you. I you did. That's true. I pushed the giggle on you there. But um, yeah, I had no sexual references. I mean, even after mm. being at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that's a metaphor for? It's phallic. Okay, that, but anything else? The Eiffel... No, I don't. Okay, folks, if you know what that metaphor is, the <laughs> Eiffel Tower, okay, in, in ways of sexual activity, please, if you have Joe's phone number, text her what that is a metaphor for, a symbol for. Are, are you being I serious? I won't tell her. I will not tell her. You, you gotta tell listen, me. Listen, folks, she's probably gonna throw this up tonight. It is now Tuesday evening at 5.30. <laughs> My guess is she'll put it up tonight. If not, probably tomorrow sometime. Yeah, I have a drive. And the second <laughs> this gets posted, I want someone to immediately tell her what an Eiffel Tower is like a sexual metaphor for. I will not tell her until you, whoever this person is, tells her. And then I want to see how long before your text comes into her phone. And she texts me and goes, oh, my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> so this is really funny. So we did bring sex into it, which I'm glad. <laughs> We might end there, actually. Yeah, I think we're going to end there. What What does the Eiffel Tower mean in ways of sexuality and Oh, my God. I, I promise you I will not Google it until you Don't. allow me to. No I Urban won't. Dictionary. I won't. I won't. Come on, because it's way more fun for you just to figure it out. Do you know how hard that else. is for me not to do? Don't do it. I promise you I won't. Okay. And you're lucky that I'm driving for the next three hours. That doesn't stop me. That doesn't stop me. I can always ask Siri, <laughs> <laughs> but I will not. So, all right, we'll, we'll lock it out. Where are you going? The city? I, I have to be in this like close. I want to be close to the city because there's an eleven o'clock meeting uh, okay. tomorrow, and it's all for the goods, all good stuff. Right. Um. So yeah, but I'll, I'm back Wednesday, and let's knock out a few more let's this week. It. And yeah, I always I always feel a little bit funky when we don't have an extra one to kind of post when we don't have time to get together. I know. So I think we should knock out like two after this one when you get back. I'm here. And have them, you know, in the hopper, as we say. Is that what we say, in the hopper? In the hopper, yes. I was going to be here all weekend, and I thought, oh, I forgot oh, about this shit, meeting. You had shit to do. I know, yeah. I know. All right, folks. Well, this is, as always, a lot of fun yeah. and a lot of uh, whatever it is, and <laughs> we promise you we'll keep doing it. Whatever and this is Eiffel dedicated Tower. to the person who reached out to yeah. you. Let's, I really appreciated let's call that. Her, let's call her S. S. That made us happy, by the way. It did. And I did share that almost instantaneously. Josh texted it to me, and I was in another country, and I I just, that also made me very happy. It made me feel 